Hello and welcome. It's the UK Scriptwriters Podcast with me, Danny Stack. And me, Tim Clegg. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, we meet once a month uh, to discuss the UK screenwriting scene, uh, the global UK screenwriting scene, if I can say such a thing. Not really. Doesn't uh, make sense. Doesn't matter. We're moving on very fast. Um <laughs> Because today we have a special, uh, special podcast, a special interview with another Tim, Tim John. Yeah. Hello, Tim. Hi. Hi. Uh, Tim's written a book called Adventures in La La Land when he was a UK screenwriter and decided to move to Hollywood with his family and make a go of it over there. So we're very interested in um, how something like that happens and how that experience was, which is all detailed in the book, but we're going to pick Tim's brains about what that was like. So I don't know. Hopefully the mic levels will be good. So it looks all right. Pretty good. Looks all right. Let's uh, let's just kick into it then, Tim. Um, so is script writing and writing all you've done all your life or was it something you came to later in life or how did something you first start? I came to not that late in life. I mean, in my 20s, but I'd... Um, an English degree I used to be an illustrator and then I got into advertising so I was a copywriter for quite a long time in London um, which is great training for film as you probably know because you get to go on film sets and you mm. edit things and you do storyboards and you have to write scripts for particular audiences um, so I suppose it makes you quite commercially minded probably not quite so good if you want to do very arty stuff, yeah, but yeah. pretty commercially minded and you get used to budgets and stuff um, whilst I was doing that you meet quite a few directors who've got an eye on doing features mm. and stuff like that and mm-hmm. um, I'd met one guy who was doing some stuff with George Harrison's handmade films oh, yeah. so immediately I thought oh well I've got obviously an idea which would be good there um, I'd done a few TV things I'd had a few sketches I'd sent into the spitting image and then I got um, commissioned to co-write the Max Hedrum show the oh, yeah. TV series not the film yeah so whilst so I was this doing, around mid 80s so um, yeah mid 80s so whilst I was doing that it was enough of a name drop to get handmade to listen to a pitch mm. and I went in with the commercials director I was working with on I think Rice Krispies at the time so a very moving passionate piece and um yeah, he just listened to a pitch which was a bizarre thing and they said all right we'll um we'll pay you to write that up as a script uh-huh. so I thought that's great and whilst I was doing that they were doing um, a musical set in space with the Eurythmics doing the music for that and they'd got um, problems with the script so right. they said would I do that one as well um, which was great and that got me thinking oh well, you know this is just a dream come true um, and then I started seeing the darker side or the real underbelly of the film industry because that one we had 150 staff paid in pre-production when George Harrison found out that his manager, apparently, I'm sure this is going out loud, so it was only allegedly I heard, <coughs> so did lots of lawyers, that he'd kind of siphoned away lots of the poor people's right. money. Right. So that didn't happen. Mm. Then the company folded. Mm. Um, but I thought, well, I really enjoyed the, the process. Can I do this somewhere else? I sold a pitch to Paramount here. Um, and then the woman who was um, head of that moved over somewhere else, so that didn't happen. And I thought, well, I might as well go to see if I can try my luck in Hollywood. Before um, we get to that then, yeah. just to go back over that, because a lot of people will be intrigued straight away in some of those steps that you've uh, talked about. Uh, were you still doing your day job, if you like, when, doing, when, yeah. you, when, the, when you were doing the handmade film? Yeah. 
script. So that was yeah. something you were doing in the evenings and in the weekends, writing, and then in the weekdays well, you'd be I, doing I the copy. Well, I opted to go three days a week okay. at the ad agency. Okay. In the end, that cost me because the agency got taken over by Martin Soros' company. Okay. Yeah. And everybody who was part-time was just let go. Right. I'd just won the uh, Advertising Effectiveness Award. Right. For the bizarre Finder's Crispy Pancakes, and I reckon oh, yeah. if you can sell enough of those, you're probably quite good at advertising. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and I got let go the next day. So then um, there was a chance to pitch some stuff right. to Hollywood. And how did the spitting image sketches, uh, getting those uh, off the ground work? Was it was there just an open call back in the day there for like um, send your sketches in or we already kind of getting into the no, biz at I'd that had point one or two sketches on week ending right yeah i yeah. have a friend Radio. Yeah. yeah yeah guy jenkin who um yeah. does out numbers now yeah. on tv um and he was like the main writer yeah. on, on weekend he said oh, well why don't you come into a meeting and i did that and then got a couple of sketches on that right and then I thought well I might as well just send some stuff into Spitting Image mm. I only had two or three things on it mm. but it was enough um, for me to get um, yeah. just a doorway in when the casting director said they've got problems on Max Headroom yeah do you want to come along do you did you see it all as one um, industry one career because uh were, were the people that were saying, do you fancy having a go at this or do you want to come in with me, I'm directing you, write it, whatever. Yeah. Were these your people that you were meeting while working in the commercials in, yeah. in industry? So yes. it's all sort of one one set of network, if you like, of people that you were working Guy with. Guy Jenkins I'd met through a mutual friend. Okay. So that wasn't through advertising. Okay. But um, everything else was through advertising. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who was the casting director on Max Headroom had been a creative director I'd worked with. Yeah. Um, the guy who was the director on Rice Krispies yeah. was, you know, got in with Handmade. Because I've got, um, and it sounds like you'd agree, but say if you've got a different angle, but it took me quite a long time before I realised you really got to do your best work all the time. Yeah. So, for instance, if I was you, my mindset would have been, Look, it's just Finder's crispy pancakes. So I'm just going to do this in a shoddy manner. Yeah, and I'm going to hold my good, good work and good effort for these sketches. But w- what you're advocating is actually do your good stuff all the time because people want to. You know, you don't know oh, who I you're going to be so, working with. Otherwise, people think you're lazy or exactly you, you don't put enough effort. But it's into funny it. how many writers think that way that they kind of hold their best ideas back, no, waiting I, for the future that might all never my come. best pancake ideas were used for Finder. <laughs> Used even any, though you were let go yes <laughs> I haven't used any really good pancake ideas in any since. movies okay. since okay no. well, what I'm interested as well I mean we're talking about the 80s and it m- might sound like it was a different kind of glory day kind of thing and then I p- got a job at Max Headroom and then yeah, I yeah. got a pitch to Paramount and when, yeah. I, when any but any writer's talking about their early careers you say these things and you know we miss the the real steps that are going on in between kind of thing even though yeah, I know that's what work. we're talking about and we'll probably get to even kind of even more interesting steps once you go to Hollywood but it's just interesting in terms of you know if you cast your mind back to that period of time what was going on in your life and what you maybe your ambitions then at that time and how they were developing um, yeah I mean I was doing quite well in advertising I wasn't at the top of it but I was at J. Walter Thompson so it was quite a big agency mm. so so, I mean, that's a huge difference with nowadays. I remember at the time if we had an idea for any big brand, say Kellogg's or something like that, or Burger King, I never once had a meeting where somebody said, 
oh, but we've only got this much to spend. Mm. Can mm. you do a low-budget version? Or can you do an mm. app? Or can you do a viral or something? Instead, it didn't mm. seem to be an issue. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. You couldn't spend millions if you said, I want no, no. whoever was the then George Clooney to be. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't. They wouldn't do, you know, snap, crackle, pop. But, you, George but your imagination wasn't curtailed. No, not at all. But mm. it's very, very competitive. It's quite hard to stay in those mm. in those agencies because mm. there's tons of other people who want to mm. do it. But, yeah, I think as long as you just keep coming up with ideas, if you're an ideas factory and you're very energetic, mainly, I think, like you have in most job interviews, I think if you're really enthusiastic, even if you're not particularly talented, you're quite interesting to people. Mm. Because mm. they think, well, perhaps you'll learn, and if you're yeah. quite friendly, they'll think mm. you'll come yeah. across. But I think what's really important, certainly virtually all the film work I've got, has come from pitching. Mm. And lots of people will say, you know, more pictures got bought then, which is true. But even stuff I'm doing now, I've got off pictures, mm. even if it's a rewrite or something. And that's something I think advertising is good for training you for. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll have a good eye. You won't be that embarrassed about speaking in front of people. Yeah. You don't mind making a fool of yourself. And if you somehow get across, which I think is vital for the film thing, that you're, you know, you're very passionate about your ideas, but you're also open to criticism mm. and other people's ideas and that kind of stuff. And also explaining things in a really succinct manner. I mean, that's virtually yeah. what advertising is, isn't it? Like boiling it, things right down to it's why it's should you care? Focus. It's yeah. about focus yeah. and it's about benefit. You mm. usually want a single-minded yeah. um, motivation for anything. Mm. So, I mean, I don't think all films have to be that single-minded, but, you, you know, it's very hard, isn't it, to sell a cross-genre mm. film. So if you know that this type of thing will appeal to that type of audience, mm. I think it's really useful mm. i mean where it can go wrong is you can be too formulaic mm. and it's just like you don't stand out because yeah it's like everything else yeah that's the day i mean i think most i would say probably most of hollywood isn't isn't about making films it's about marketing mm. them really because yeah. if you can't do that bit they don't really want to spend much yeah. money making them yeah and i think a lot of it works for the same reason that mcdonald's works is that lots of people have an appetite for McDonald's. Now, whether you like them or not, um, people have an appetite for that type of thing. And if you don't satisfy their appetite, they're going to be disappointed. Mm. And a bit like stars, you know, say, I don't know, most big stars tend to get typecast, don't they? Mm. McDonald's is like that. You go in and you get pretty much what you expected. I think the trick is if you get a little bit extra on top, which seems like good value or more entertaining, like a value mm. meal or a toy or something like that, you're quite pleased. Mm. And I think that's what you have to do to sell movie ideas to America is give them more or less what the genre once mm-hmm. and then a little surprise toy but what lots of Eng- yeah, <laughs> the kinder surprise method kinder of writing, surprise method of writing. <laughs> what lots of english people i've noticed do and i've done it myself is go over there occasionally being quite snooty about mm-hmm. mainstream american formulaic stuff and saying well you know, that's all like mcdonald's we're going to give you something really different and idiosyncratic mm. but we'll throw in a token bit of mcdonald's just to condescend mm. to you they don't like that mm. Mm. Yeah, well, nice. let's let's talk about moving over there then, Tim, because, uh, you know, you, you said, oh, well, I was doing a bit of writing here and then I thought I'll go and do it there. 
there must have been more going through oh, your yeah, mind at that was, time. Because, like, said, well, you know, it was the pitch to wasn't it? Really? Yeah, when the ad agency got taken over, I, I effectively lost my job in England, mm. and that was heading for the 1991 recession. Right. So it wasn't like there were tons of other jobs yeah. around. Yeah. And what I'd done about, uh, about nine months before, I'd gone for two weeks with a friend of mine I used to write with to Hollywood, because a friend from uni used to live nearby and we could stay in his spare room right, uh, right. on the floor, I think it was. It was quite rough. And we just thought, well, let's just go pitching ideas mm. as much as we could. I mean, it was frustrating because we had a pretty good English agency at the, that time, ICM. Mm. They weren't any help whatsoever. Right. They couldn't get any doors opened at all. So we were just phoning anybody we could. And in the end, we phoned the story editor because you couldn't get through to executives phoned the story editor at TriStar and said, could we pitch you a story? And he said, you sure? I mean, nobody pitches us. We said, well, really? I mean, it's a great story. And we then said, we've got to fly back, like, tomorrow. We haven't got time for, you know, if you don't want it, you don't have it. He said, no, no, I mean, it's all right. And, you know, make a change in the day. So we pitched it to him, and he really liked it. And um, then he said, oh, well, I can get you to meet uh, then Mike Medavoy, who was head of TriStar mm. and a few other people. Mm. So we pitched it to them. And they said, OK, we'll, we'll commission it. Not for a lot, but mm. um, they commissioned it. And once I'd lost a job in advertising, TriStar had said, well, if you come over here, we'll give you another two deals. Um, again, not tons of money, but we, mm. if you live in America, we can guarantee you mm. some extra income. Mm. So we thought we've got nothing to lose. You know, I was then 35, kids were five and seven, so mm. school and exams wasn't a big thing here. And we just thought we'd, we'd give it a go. So it was, it was less about chasing some long-held dream. It was more about... You know, bread and butter. I need, I need, well, I need a living. Really. You know, it was both really. I mean, it was mainly the dream because mm. that film is what I became mm. increasingly passionate about. But it was now here's a window I can't, I can't ignore. Yeah, and the English things were tending. You know, Handmaid and Paramount were tending to pack up, and there mm. really weren't that many other people to go to. Mm. Tim, I'm, I'm thinking you've done some Darren Brown technique on these execs that you initially pitched because you Possibly. made you, you made one pitch. And they said, yeah, but stay here. We'll give you two more deals. No, after we'd written it, they, they, yeah, they bought the pitch. But when we wrote the script, they said they liked the script. All right, okay. so you were proving your worth at every step of the way, really. Rather kind than, of. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, not all the time. It doesn't always go that easy. <laughs> I've had some pitches which have gone so easily, I didn't even realise we'd won the pitch. Mm. And then other ones where I've put, you know, six months, nine months every mm. day into a script, which I know is a far superior piece of stuff, and people just don't want to touch it. Mm. I mean, and usually it's because it, they say we're not looking for that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this was in the day as well when the industry culture, such as it is, as it is now, wasn't as well known, I don't think, or as, as widely yeah, um, kind of written about. I mean, you might have had Peter. Is it Peter Biskins? Kind of Easy Riders and mm. Raging Bulls. Did he, yeah, did he even write that? Somebody wrote that around that time. Was it maybe? There I might think have been that's a, earlier, a bit earlier, possibly earlier. Yeah. But you know, even um, Sid Field's screenplay wasn't done until the eighties, wasn't it? I think yeah, eighties. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and then yeah. it was around that time. And so it was slowly building, but you know, uh, Hollywood stories were cliched or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were over there, kind of living the reality of it, learning, I suppose, yeah. it's just what the execs were reading. Really I like. mean, that's mainly why I wrote the book, mm. quick book plug. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because um, I've read lots of books, which I'm sure everyone has, on how to write a screenplay. 
they don't, all the ones I've read don't tell you what it's like being a writer mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And I think that's really important mm. because everyone out there can do the formula all the time. Mm. A lot of it is about how good you are at pitching, how good you are at meeting people, how brave you can be. And obviously, a lot of my book and a lot of my life was about seeing the difference between British people and American people. Because mm. lots of Americans, if you bump into Americans in line somewhere in a queue, they all say, hey, how are you? You know, my name's Jeff. What, you know, what do you do? And everything like that. English people are generally more shy, aren't they? They don't want to mm. put themselves out there. Mm. And when you're in Hollywood, you have to put yourself out there because um, they, all the others will, and mm. they'll get noticed, mm. and they'll think you're a bit standoffish. And however much they say they're like Monty Python, they don't want you to be like that. Mm. They, want, they want you to see that over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They really do. There was one thing... There's in Laurel Canyon. Just this is just to get show you how people there will do anything to get noticed. This woman had a sign at the end of her drive which said "Honk if you've had me." Yeah, I mean everyone would honk. <laughs> and then I'm telling you about it, and the paper knew about yeah. it. And, you know, it's, it's just yeah. people know how to get noticed. Yeah, and, and um, that's really important because that's the hardest thing I found is getting the meeting. Much mm. harder than writing the script. I'm not mm. saying writing mm. the script's easy. Mm. But if you can't get the meeting, writing the script is sort of irrelevant. Mm. Not entirely because it helps you practice and hone your craft and all that kind of stuff. But you have to get the meeting. Mm. You have to find a way of people reading your work, getting to think. Because most of the time, I think, because so much stuff gets rewritten anyway. I mean, most of the stuff Mm. I've ended up doing, actually, is rewriting other people's Mm. work. And that's what I would say most writers out there do. Mm. Um, But... They only do that if they feel they can work with you. If you're, mm. So a lot of the time you're pitching yourself. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they've heard that story before because there aren't that many different stories. Mm. But if they think, oh, you've got a pretty good handle on it and we'd enjoy working with you, yeah, you're more likely to get the work. And that's what a lot of my book's about is examples of how I got that right and how I got mm. it horribly wrong and just ways in which... You know, you can embarrass yourself but still get noticed. Yeah. And I had one story, Indian Princesses, which is based on a thing I'd done with several other dads and daughters, where you get together once every two weeks to do some stuff with the kids and you dress up, you know, with homemade red Indian mm. outfits. And I thought this could be like a, another parenthood, which is one of my mm. favorite films, do something like that, or, or like City Slickers with kids. Yeah. So I thought, okay, we'll go along. So I thought, go for the meeting at Universal. I, my agent had got me a meeting with a producer there. I'll wear the stuff that I do when I do the kids, mm. the homemade you know, yeah. headdress, the, the wall paint, the homemade mm. vest and the beads and all this kind of stuff. Five minutes from the gate at Universal, I get the call from the producer saying, can't meet in the office, still want to see you, 15 minutes away, can you meet in this Hollywood restaurant? So I have to go in with all this stuff, looking a complete prat. And um, but I mean, I got the job. I think probably because she felt sorry. <laughs> but, um, it's a good tactic. But I mean, it stood out. Yeah. And I think if I sort of shied away from it, and I was yeah, all yeah. full of, sort yeah. of English apologies and things like that. Yeah. Probably you wouldn't. Well, you, your experience in advertising clearly gave you the edge there in terms of yeah, settling like, into the Hollywood pitch. Or I've made of. a fool of myself so many times <laughs> before. You're immune. I'm immune to it. Uh, so was it a kind of did you get into the groove over there then of like you had that 
those three TriStar uh, scripts to do, and then obviously these other Universal pictures and so on. Were you really getting into a stride over there? Would you yeah, say I it was just so. like you know a proper like full time? I know what I'm doing. I know people yeah. now. You were feeling really it good. It builds up like I mean, you have to have a good agent. Mm. We had a great agent at ICM for about three and a half years, and then she retired. And ever since then, we just got, I think, lesser and lesser agents, mm. and it just didn't, you know, it ended mm. up not working out at all. Well, mm. we had about three and a half glory years, and then it was a real struggle with nice little blips occasionally. Mm. Um, but you have to have the agent. I mean, you can phone a lot of people, you can try and get to parties and network and stuff like that, and sometimes that worked. But most of the time, it's because an agent mm. from a big agency said, you've got to read these guys. Mm. You need a sample script. I mean, the, the script that TriStar had bought really helped because lots of people made lots of people laugh. Mm. Um, and it was meant to. It was a comedy, so you know, it all tied in. Yeah. Um, and they said, OK, we'll meet these guys. And we got quite a lot of rewrites off it and just meetings and stuff. Mm. You don't all... Obviously, you know, you don't get the payoff always immediately. It might be somebody said, oh, we, hey, do you remember we saw you 18 yeah, yeah, months ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you also get the other thing which I've written about, I think it's important in the book, and hopefully entertaining. You do have to... You don't have to speak with an American accent... But you do have to be aware of the way they do mm. things. Mm. Um, we went for a... It was going to be... It was a meeting that somebody wanted to do... Um, I can't remember what it... That's right. It was a spoof of Beverly Hills 90210. So my partner and I had gone along ridiculously overdressed, like with ripped jeans that I'm surprised security didn't have. So Vaseline back hair. And I had theatrical sideburns that came right like a tremolo right yeah. down to my yeah. mouth. Yeah. It was only halfway through the meeting we realised they didn't realise that we'd dressed up. And then we just got the giggles and we couldn't cope with it. <laughs> and then another time at Disney where they can be very serious, you know, yeah. you know it's often referred to as mouse fits because yeah. it's so right wing. Yeah. Um, they said, oh, hi, come on in. You know, we, we, we wanted some, some funny writers. And I said, oh, well, you need these two guys digging in that I play tennis with. They're really funny. Just being, thought, self-effacing. Mm. Don't be self-effacing <laughs> in Hollywood. They don't understand ah, it. So they that gave Dick me, and Ian yeah, the film? <laughs> they gave me a puzzled look, these Americans. And at the end of the meeting as we were leaving, and I didn't get the job, one of the development executives took me aside and whispered to me, if you continue having self-esteem problems, see my shrink. She's really good. And I thought, oh, absolutely. If I'm, if I'm brave enough, you know. That's really interesting, isn't it? I know. But that, I mean, that was a popular joke in Hollywood, that they've set up a a hotline, a separate phone line for people in denial. Mm. And nobody's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so they all, you know, you, it's fine. Everybody goes and sees their shrink privately, mm. far more than they do in England. Um, but in public, you have to be kind of, mm. not annoyingly so, because I think if you're pitching and you're too cocky, yeah, yeah, yeah. the way some Americans can be, it's really annoying. But you need to be confident about mm. your own ideas it, mm. it just don't get cocky but don't do the self-effacing thing yeah. I've tried it a few times It's um, they just don't get it at all, the whole irony thing is, I think it's illegal now, several states and so. so three and a half years, the glory years 
<laughs> and was this a co-writing thing? Mm. Yeah. All the way through as well? Um, most of the time. Yeah. I did a couple of separate things as well, but most of the time. And you, and then we were just doing comedies or black comedies because mm. they, they don't... If they've, you know, the agency's got set you up as you're the comedy guys. Yeah. If you do the thriller, it's what the hell are you doing? Yeah. It's a different brand. Yeah. You know? And somehow you've ruined their lives. <laughs> and then uh, when did you start to think, hang on, this is going a bit funky, the glory years are coming to an end? Oh. Or was it a very, was it so gradual that almost you didn't notice like the frog the, in the boiling water kind of thing? It's kind of like, it's more like being in a poker game. Right. And I ended up losing a lot of money there because you've, if you've had a few winning hands dealt you or you've had some good cards mm. and you've turned them into winning hands, you think, hey, I can do this. Mm. I can make a lot of money out here. Um, and then what happens is the game changes for some reason and you're not sure why, but the ante of staying as a Hollywood writer is high because you can't really, or it's hard, especially if you're English, you can't be doing another job at the same time because you wouldn't get a work permit for it mm, yeah. or other people are doing it. Yeah. And also, if, say, Disney or somebody said, could you come in and talk to us, say, about this book, which we think might make a good movie, you can't say um, any chance we can meet at the weekend or Friday night after work. So then they'll say, mm. oh, you're not a professional writer. We yeah. asked the wrong person. So you have to be available, which means when you haven't got a commission, mm. which is probably more often than not, you're effectively what I call self-unemployed. So you can't, mm. you know, you've got bills to pay. And whilst America always seems cheap if you go on holiday, Jeans are cheap, petrol's cheap, all that kind of stuff. When you live there, it's a lot. Mm. Like the equivalent of our council tax was, I worked out, it was like 13 times more expensive than it is in England. Right. And you have to get earthquake insurance and mm. all kinds of public liability stuff because everybody will sue you. Um, yeah, it's very expensive to stay oh. in the game. Mm. And, of it, yeah. mm. and then if your agent, as ours did, leaves and you've got to find somebody else, unless you're and also if you've been around and you're doing quite well for a few years but you haven't had a hit or at least a moderate mm. hit there are hundreds of thousands of other people yeah. who are the new kids on the block they want to they try did you ever just like a, from an emotional point of view not a business point of view but did you ever did you feel like part of it or did you always feel like the outsider that was going to go home again or you, do, um, do, 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 do you know what I mean yeah. because there's a difference isn't there sometimes you can feel, yeah, I'm here for a bit, I'm doing my best, um, but I know I can always pack up and come back, as obviously eventually you did. Or, when you were there, were you like, no, this is it now, I'm a, I'm a Hollywood writer, Plus a that's what I do. Kids. Yeah, and this is what we're here yeah. now, you know, we're here and this is what we're doing, and, and, that, and that's that, we're not going to go back. Well, we commit. We said we'd go for a year, but the first year was really good. So mm. that And quick, into, probably. Yeah, until yeah. year two and year three, and then my wife got a job there right and the kids were established in school so yeah. i think we thought this is going to last yeah um but it doesn't for most screenwriters yeah yeah i don't think it does for most anybody anybody yeah if yeah. i did it again i would encourage anyone in the film industry particularly a writer to to learn a, another technical a more technical skill mm. like editing or assistant cameraman mm. or something mm. like that or makeup or mm. whatever it is so that you'd 
more likely get paid work mm. at not such a high rate mm. that they would only pay but you could still be but you'd still be around for meetings wouldn't you'd you? still be around but also you'd be on film sets all the time so yeah. your chance of bumping into an actor or a director or a producer is quite high mm. and you can't always whip out mm. I mean when I got to yeah but there's nothing there's nothing worse than the assistant camera person getting out of thing going, no, by the way I'm a writer as well yes. and you're like oh yeah, yeah. really <laughs> really so is everyone here mate yeah yeah you have to time that yeah <laughs> well it's, it's about expanding your network really rather it's than it's about expanding yeah. the network but also you'll learn on the job but also you'll yeah. have some regular income because otherwise it's all or nothing yeah yeah true. and it's quite hard whilst I'd written for TV I did write some TV stuff mm. that got made there um, and in Canada so I managed to get a couple of things mm. but like the whole TV thing especially if you want to write on one of their top dramas or sitcoms it's really difficult mm. it's really difficult to get in there um so I, I think probably, I mean, I tend to get wildly optimistic about things. Otherwise, I think I'd never yeah. probably pluck up the nerve yeah. to go and knock on the doors and speak to the mm. people I do. But in some ways, I probably wasn't realistic enough. Mm. Mm. You know, you do tend to get a little bit of time in the sun and then it's um, yeah. clouds over a little bit. Yeah. Well, so I mean, is it, I think is it almost story. like the three-act hero's journey structure that we, sort of. we can assign to your Hollywood experience? My middle name is Vogler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of like that, mm. I think. I'd um, say the third act for me was coming back to England, actually. But yeah. End of act two, all going horrible. Was yeah, all is lost. All is lost. <laughs> Dark night of the well, let's, Yeah, well, let's talk about that then. Was there, because I'm always quite interested in this, like, was there a moment when you thought, uh, I've had enough of this or was it oh, just no, a gradual was there... no 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 we lost the house we had to oh, sell right. the house okay. we had to rent everything like that that would yeah, probably just... be the moment <laughs> yeah 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 that was the moment <laughs> that's a clue yeah wow. no so that was terrible you yeah. know we basically lost everything we'd built up from yeah. our house in London you know yeah. and whilst we were over there because I think mortgage rates were still 9% in England mm. so we thought oh, we might as well sell our house and we'd have problems renting our house in London the people hadn't paid the rent for several months, right, so we had to get rid of them. And then somebody else came in and they didn't pay. We thought, oh, well, we might as well just sell it because we couldn't see, this is, this is mm. how naive I am, kind of mid-90s, how property in London was possibly going to go up at all. Yeah. So we thought... You thought um, it was a peak. Well, my writing partner then, his place in North London was in negative equity. Mm. So we both sold up, mm. bought in America... Um, where we lost a lot after mm. a few years, only to find out the place in London was mm. worth now like a million and a half. Yeah, um, yeah. And we didn't own any of it anymore. Mm. Mm. Um, so that was mildly annoying, end of Act 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, I'm noticing some um, bullet holes on the sign of your book Yes. Here. So I'm wondering, <laughs> you know, did you actually go a little bit um, postal in America? <laughs> <laughs> when things didn't go too far. But didn't go postal but I have an interesting story because I was going to write a thing a story called Going Postal right and I went to interview the postmaster in Pasadena and asked you know what's different told him a little bit about Postman Pat and some of the greats <laughs> in England and he said the problem with the post office workers in Los Angeles is how close they are to Las Vegas because in England if you're at the counter and you sell your stamps or whatever you sell nowadays at the end of every day they make you tally up, this is how much you sold, so this is how oh, much right. is in the till. Yeah, yeah. In America, and they may have changed it now, when we were there, they only do that at the end of the week. Oh. So, 
for Monday, Tuesday, yes. Wednesday, Thursday, you as the post office worker don't have to account mm. for how much cash there is or isn't. And he said the number of post people in Los Angeles who just drive like the clappers to Vegas, put it all red down on red, red or black, <laughs> hoping they'll make it big, yeah. is huge. He'd fired like 16 in the last few years. And sadly, Vegas being Vegas, they hardly ever win. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's a story. But the whole, the, whole, the whole American experience, I think, is a great experience. But it's like being in a movie. You know, you go lots of places and you get this sense of deja vu because you haven't been there before, but you have been there in the movies. Mm. Loads of things. Um, and that's exciting. And it's just bizarre. I mean, their culture is very, very different. The language is, is significantly different to English. And some of their laws and customs and things like that are, you know, hilarious. Mm. I mean, we had neighbours who, I mean, I suppose you could have that here, but seem more American. One guy who kept having CCTV cameras sweep all over our house as well as his. And I said, well, hang on, I've got two daughters and a hot tub. I mm. don't really feel comfortable about this. He said, well, we have to just, just in case they land again. <laughs> I said, sorry? He said, well, I got broken into last month. Well, we didn't hear anything, and there wasn't anything in the paper. We didn't see any police cars. And he's now treating me like an idiot. Mm. Um, why would there be police cars? Well, if you got broken into it. Well, they do it silently. I said, what? He said, yes, aliens came into my house, photographed everything, and then left. And he was convinced of it. I mean, really convinced of it. And he used to work at um, NASA. And he was, you know, felt he had an inside thing. Mm. Yeah, it's bizarre. I broke quite a bit about some of their laws. Um, they have very strange laws that, that you know, quite outdated. I'm, I'm sure when you when, when you looked into it and realised that you weren't supposed to be raking into your neighbour's house and photographing yeah, yeah, yeah. everything, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you realised that yes. was a little. Quietly said sorry. Yeah, there's um, the, one of the laws in LA. It's illegal for um, dogs to mate within 300 yards of a church. Right. Who measures that, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> they must have a special patrol or something. And is that, is that as the crow flies, or does it take into account roads? The, I don't know. You know, so it's not, know. Well, nobody, nobody walks in LA. Nobody oh, yeah, so course, if anybody's yeah. walking yeah, yeah, along yeah. with a dog near yeah. a church, you're done for. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I suppose so. It's bizarre. It, it does seem quite unreal. Mm. And the trouble is, you can be tempted thinking, I'll have the American dream, mm. like most of them do, and then at some point, something makes you wake up from it, mm. you know. But it's. Um, so did you feel, obviously, you know, when you moved back then, therefore, and you kind of lost your house, and did you feel you were coming back tail between your legs, or did were you actually kind of relieved, like I'm, I'm in a way, I'm, I'm glad I did it, but I'm glad it's over as well. Uh, both, really, because mm. I got some American work after I'd come back, bizarrely. Mm. Yeah, and I. Well, you still knew people there. I yeah, suppose. I knew some yeah. people, and I partly came back because I'd got I'd sold some pictures in England. Right. So I thought I've got more, but also my mother was given like nine months to live. So okay. She was really ill. That was right. a, a big deciding factor on when do we of do course. it? Yeah, for definite time. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a certain feeling of tail between your legs a bit mm. um, there's an interesting thing actually my old writing partner found it more than me which is the difference between English and American people when we were doing really well in America all the Americans were you know you met well hey that's great and we must do this and we must do lunch and whatever meet up and they're mm. fantastic and most of his English friends I'm not allowed to swear on this so, mm. but if you say well I've just sold a um, 
script to Disney were like, you mm. yeah. insert blank word. How do you do that? You know, mm. what, all that money just for an idea. Mm. How do you, oh, God, you know, that's yeah. so easy, lucky. Mm. Um, and then the other way around, when you're not doing well in America, many Americans sort of cross over or on mm. free to meet and that kind of thing. And lots of English people are going, well, God, at least you had a go. You know, yeah. it's great. You know, <laughs> yeah. Spirit of the Blitz type of thing, and yeah. which is much I feel more comfortable with. Yeah. You know? um, and you do obviously find, even with, you know, quite a lot of famous people I've met, this whole Empress clothes thing, mm. or they're so aware of, you know, what people think of them. I mean, I'd done a rewrite on a Schwarzenegger thing. And when I met him... You know, he's there with his his manager, his lawyer, his agent, mm. some kind of PR person. That you can't have a proper conversation with him. Mm. Mm. I mean, we said, "Do you think it would be funny if, for instance, your character hadn't had sex for four years?" And he's there's a, just an awkward silence, and they all look at him. He sort of smiled, and then they sort of smiled, and it's yeah, it's just it's just. It, all those things where people do send-ups of Hollywood mm. seem to be pretty true. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask really. you about that, actually, in terms of from the extreme kind of swimming with sharks kind of yeah, yeah. scenario to maybe entourage, which is more realistic, I would say. Um, well, but only guessing as well. Swimming with sharks. I mean, I worked for the guy that George Wang, you know, who, who wrote and directed it, um, worked for this executive, probably can't mention because I might want to sell him something one day, who was just unbelievable. Yeah, just bizarre. And you, there's a level of um, entitlement mm. some of these people feel. Mm. But the, the nice thing, I think, if you can be with other English people or maybe Australian people or whatever, and the Americans can never tell the difference, um, you can laugh at it as mm. well as enjoy it. Mm. Because sometimes you can feel very, very foreign mm. there. You're just not... Um, I mean, one thing I would but say... But then, you know, a lot of the East Coast guys say different. that as well, though, yeah, don't East they? Coast, they say yeah. when they go, they feel yeah, yeah. like they're in the foreign land. So it's almost yeah. like foreign to everybody, yeah. I think. You yeah, know. I think California is just another planet. Yeah, really. yeah. But, you, I mean, the other thing that's really important, and again, I put it in the book, if you're an English writer and you want to work out there, you do need to learn their language and their mm. idioms and what they mean. Because I'd got asked once uh, in some story, I think it was a Disney thing again, I can't remember, but it was a big studio thing anyway. There was a part where they, the, um, a kid goes and plays on a sandlot. And I looked slightly puzzled. They said, don't you know what a sandlot is? And I said, yeah, I think it's, isn't it, it's one of those scrubby areas where people play baseball, isn't it? And they said, yeah, but you're missing the emotional significance. Because a sandlot is usually where an American kid would first play baseball with his dad. Mm. So it's got a whole kind yeah, of yeah, right. thing yeah. and dad bonding. Yeah. Whereas if you think it's you know just some kids playing baseball, yeah. it misses out. And and I didn't get that job because they said, you know, mm. you, we like your stuff. It's funny stuff and witty and everything like that. But you're missing. I think you're going to miss some of the emotional overtones or yeah. subtext, really. Actually, yeah, yeah. that um, an American writer would know. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, that's. But they probably were right as well with that. Yeah, they were. They? You they know, were. I mean, you yeah, can't. Yeah. Sometimes you can't learn that. You know, in no, you, adult no. life, you've either grown up with it or you haven't. Some of that yeah, yeah, deeper yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's certainly a thing I would say I've learned there. You make the films as emotional as you can without mm. being melodramatic. But mm. if it's genuine emotion, um, a, a studio executive said to me there, just as a note 
they'd said to English writers, nobody ever walked out of a movie because it was too emotional. Mm. So whilst you're True. coming up with your dark humour and <laughs> sarcasm and everything like that... Yeah, 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 yeah. Bear that in mind. Mm. It's true. And what about coming up to date then, Tim? What are you up to these uh, days? I just about two months ago was doing a rewrite on a sci-fi trilogy for somebody in Los Angeles. Right. So the work still comes still through comes from that. Um, mm. Yeah, occasionally, but not all the time. It's, mm. I was mm. quite surprised to get that. Um, that was actually from somebody who'd read the book. Right. So, you know, that was nice. And at the moment, I'm doing a rewrite on a um, Scandinavian animation feature. Right. Okay. So I'm off to. Yeah, they're good, those ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what that's going to be like. Um, I've, I'm going to meet the directors in Helsinki on Friday. Fantastic. So, um, so when you see. get too busy and you want to do your self effacing lark again, you just say, Oh, uh, my mate's Danny and Tim, who uh, I play tennis with. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll fill in those blanks with the commissions you can't get. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I probably get two things a year, mm-hmm. I would say. And then the rest of the time, I'm, you know, writing original stuff and trying yeah. to get that done. Just hustling. Back to hustling again. Yeah, and, yeah. And mm. you want... I would like to get a good American agent again. Mm. I've got mm. a manager over there, but I would like to get a good American mm. agent again. But mm. I think really, unless you're brilliant, you need to be there yeah. to get most of the work. Because most of the work will be rewrite work. Yeah. And they want you to be able to pop in. Pop in, do it quick. Yeah. And all that, yeah. Well, there's, yeah. A, there's a guy we know who's, who writes for Hollywood, but he lives here. Yeah. And he says, he goes, well, the last time I spoke to him anyway, which is a few years ago, he said he goes out twice a year. Yeah. Spring and autumn, I think. Because yeah. that's the time when he can actually pitch for things. Yeah. Or meet, have meetings. And yeah. if an exec says, oh, we've got a book, maybe get yeah. your take on it. Yeah, so yeah. he'll spend a couple of weeks there prepping and then going in again to pitch for it. Yeah. And he seems to be doing quite well for himself, really. So I'm, I'm, it's feasible feasible to do, but you need your in It's feasible. You? But it's... I mean, if you've had any significant recent success, it's fine. You can do it from wherever you like, mm. but mo- that's changing all the time. That's the trouble. Yeah, yeah indeed. You know. What What did you find um, was you, you know because I liked what you said recent recent big success or whatever. What was did you find was the thing on your CV or not your CV but you know your kind of notes about yourself that intrigued some of those Hollywood uh, producers? Oh, was, was it being involved with uh, handmade films? Was that what had done no, it or was, not really? It was just the sample script. No, oh, really? Okay. Is, I mean. Certainly when you get to do lots of rewrites, which I've done, you don't even get mentioned usually on IMDb mm. or you don't no, get the no, credits because, no. you, yeah. you know, you, do, you have to write over mm. a third of it has to be, you know, as you know, totally original. Yeah. So it's hard to... I mean, I've written quite a lot of dialogue for Bill Murray, for instance. Mm. I don't get a credit. Mm. I mean, I didn't get paid. Yeah. But I didn't get to meet him, and, you know, so you're yeah. kind of a sidelined type of person. Yeah. No, it was just there was a... A sample script, the tri-style thing that lots of people thought was funny. Mm. So people looking for comedy said, "Oh, maybe we'll meet these guys." Right. Um, yeah, I mean, when you said you've worked, but I've only met George Harrison a couple of times. Mm. You know, they sort of quite that must intrigued. have helped a I little say, bit. Yeah, I would say they're more intrigued by Beatle than most film stars, mm. even in Hollywood. Mm. A Beatles kind of mm. got yeah. extra significance. Yeah. Well, they've um, met all the film stars, haven't they? Yeah. That's the sort of trouble. Yeah. You know, so there's nothing, nothing yeah. intriguing yeah. there. You know well, what I mean? And also, they probably know what they're really like. Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> created them. Um, there's still a myth about people from another industry. Yeah. You can still believe they might be interested. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to... I mean, it's hard to get to know them. Yeah. I mean, one story yeah. I put in there, I went to... Um, 
It was Dick Clement's birthday party. And a guy we played tennis with, who was a wild guy, a really wild guy, he'd often end up breaking various bits of people's mm. tennis courts whilst we were on them. He'd disappeared at one point. And then he's at the bar with Michael Keaton, waving me and my wife over. Oh, must come and talk. And I thought, I'll go and say hello. But this guy had sort of set us up. And Michael Keaton, to me, struck me that was like, when he was in Beetlejuice, he wasn't acting. Mm. He seems very intense highly wired mm. kind of guy and this guy her, the, the, the other friend had said oh well this is Tim and this is his wife they're um, big actors in England with um, Shakespeare Company and they're just <laughs> over here they're very big on Stratford but obviously new to film so he wanted to talk about just acting mm. really and somehow I don't know why it was the way it was set up or I thought this is going to be a very brief conversation I'll just sort of say well no tell me about you Michael what are you doing I thought I wouldn't have to explain anymore <laughs> it was awful we got caught up in this snowballing lie and then the pair of us had to pretend we did act but we were very modest and he was saying well you know you don't want to do that Oh, it was awful. <laughs> it got to the point where, had I then said three minutes in, actually, we made that up. Yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd thrown his drink at me or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. or it was my friend's birthday and I didn't want to cause a scene. It yeah. Was, yeah, that was odd. <laughs> that was is very that, odd. Is that in the book? Is that That's mentioned briefly. Is that, in, in, the is that, in, is that the, in the don't do this? It's <laughs> part of the don't do this. There's a lot of do. There's probably mainly don't, mainly, don't mainly do don't what do I the, do. Okay, mainly. Success. Good. I, 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 I suggest thing, people do the same yeah. with my own life. Well, I suggest people do buy the book, though. Okay. Do I know what you did. Yeah, hopefully buy the book. I mean, I've got, um, <laughs> Don't do yourself a basing thing. It's Tim. cheap. Oh, I'm in England now. So <laughs> buy it in America and you will be a success. But in England, you'll probably have a laugh. Yeah. Um, but I did get lots, I mean, hundreds of stars and producers and people like that I wrote to saying, can I quote you on this? Right, or can right, you give right. me a funny yeah. um, quote Brilliant. about the film industry and stuff like that? So... Um, Brilliant. Any so, lawyers listening, they have been approved. Yes. And any re- potential readers, I think you'll find them funny. Brilliant. Uh, tell us, uh, where can people get hold of this amazing? Um, on Amazon. On you Amazon. The get... book's called Adventures in La La Land by Tim John, and it's only available on Amazon. Great. There you go, for the price of... It's pretty low. I think it's five ninety nine now or... One ninety nine. So they can get Kindle. it as a Kindle. Get it on Kindle, Kindle then, folks. Peanuts. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes, excellent. Um, all right. Thanks for that, Tim. Thanks for that. Thank Tim. you. Yeah. Inspiring. We've invaded your home for the afternoon. Yeah. And, thanks uh, for that as well. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, so we should probably wrap up, and we do that by telling you where you can listen to the podcast, which is ironic, seeing as you've listened to it all of this. Yeah, but you might want to listen to more, and if you do, then obviously find us on iTunes. Uh, put in UK script writers we come up at the top of there um, we're on on Twitter so you know if you follow us on there then you always know the latest podcast when it goes live first because we will announce it there first so on there is UK script writers and the same on Facebook where we have a page that you can like yes. so uh, we're all over the social media you can email us on UK scriptwriters at hotmail.com well thanks for listening then and thanks to Tim we'll thank, thank, we'll, thank uh, we'll thank Tim from you guys as well See you then. Thanks, bye. Bye.